Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry, joining me from Hedgesville, West Virginia, virtually as we are in the world of COVID, Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you today? Uh, very few complaints today, so I'd say that's a good thing. I, w- I would tend to agree with that, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm not going to cut, I'm not going to cut corners here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you the question. Is the Patriots season over? 100%. And if they think it's not over, man, just just don't worry about it. I don't even want to bother with the the idea of the playoffs. And you know, frankly, my supervisor made a good point that uh, he was saying the same thing about his his team, which is Philly. Um, he doesn't even want his team to make the playoffs because you make the playoffs, that's like what guaranteed, like number what eighteen or something in the draft. Like you get a higher draft pick or a lo- lower, a lower higher pick. number, lower. Either pick. way, the point is you get a. You you slide down in the draft, I guess. So really, he just he he's about as done with Philly season as I am with pay, the New England season at this point. And frankly, I'm just like you know what, let things do how they how they will. And as long as you don't lose the the Jets, then you know that's that's really that's really all it is. I mean, don't tank. I really don't. I really don't like this idea for tanking for Trevor, quote unquote, but that's a whole nother thing. But uh, just play the season how it's going to play out. I'd really rather than not even make the Super Bowl. Not Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, the I playoffs. Agree. I'd rather not than not even make the playoffs because I have, you know, I have low hopes for that as well. So ride out the season, let it go how it's going to go, and pick up some stock. I agree with you. Here's the thing: we talked about this last week. They had to beat. They had to beat the Bills to have any chance of making the playoffs. That did not happen. They have three division games, uh, four division games left. One against Miami in Miami, the two against the Jets, and then the Bills come to Foxborough in like week 16. Mm-hmm. Tell me they're going to win all four of those games. <clears throat> nope, not going to happen. They're probably going to lose Buffalo again. They're probably going to lose to Miami because Miami looks good. The Bills have only have two division games left. They host the Dolphins and they go to the Patriots. You would have to go 5-1 and one in the division and have the Bills go 4-2, and two, which I don't know what Miami's record is, but considering we think the Jets are going to go 0-6 in the division, someone's going to have, each team's going to have a free two wins against the Jets. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to figure out who wins in that three-team carousel. And yeah. you've already lost one of those games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this... It would be darn near impossible, and there's no way on this earth you make it as a wild card in the AFC. Seventh playoff spot, be damned. Exactly. We, okay, we assume the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. We assume that. That means the Raiders probably going to make a point. Are going probably going to be a wild card team. There's one out of the three. Uh, whoever loses the NFC, the AFC North, between the Steelers and the Ravens, the other team will be a wild card. You would think the Titans would probably win the AFC South, although the Colts don't look half bad. We Okay, do you think the Colts are going to go? Maybe. We think the Jets are going to win the AFC, uh, the AFC East. The Dolphins might sneak into the, to the, seventh, to the seventh spot. You're going to have to go. It's two and five. You're going to have to go eight and one over the last nine games to make the playoffs, I think, in the AFC. This mm-hmm. team is not capable of that. It just isn't. Yeah, I mean, just to get to the to the nine and seven record that you know would be nice would be 
what a seven and two yes. in the last nine games, and that's not happening. No, it, it just doesn't. It's it, it, no, at, not at all. <laughs> so uh, we're both in agreement here. The Patriots' season is over at two and five, and we're November sixth recording this, and the season's already over. We're not used to this, but you know what? I, I said it, and you said it too. If this is the one down year, in uh, and th- and having this down year hits the reset button for another ten years or so, I'll take it. I'm fine with it. For sure. I mean, it's not like we're not used to disappointment. So yeah, I mean, you and I particularly are more set up for this than most Patriots fans. Although they probably are Boston College football fans. So then again, probably some of them are. <laughs> but now. Shot at BC, don't care. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it really is that way. So, of course, Bill Belichick came out with a very interesting quote. I believe it was this week, but it may have been uh, late last week. I forget exactly when he said it. Mm-hmm. He basically said the Patriots sold out to win Super Bowls the last few years, and they got them to where it's at now. I am a subscriber to the in-bill-we-trust theory and statement, but I call BS. The Patriots have $22 million in cap space. Don't tell me you couldn't have found someone that could help this team, particularly in the receiving core, that wouldn't have ate up $22 million. I guarantee you, you could have. I'm sorry, and I know how this organization works. They draft and they sign to their need to uh, their system. But I'm telling you, there's someone out there you can make work. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to bet there is someone in the NFL football world that could have been a major help to this team. I do not believe for one second that the Patriots sold out to win the, to win the Super Bowls the last few years and are paying for it now. It's been, I don't know what's happened up there, but I don't believe they've sold, that's because they've sold out. I don't believe that for a second. Very yeah, it's it's very interesting because of that like you said with, with that much space, um, conceivably, and then you know obviously it doesn't help that they've had a few players opt out, but this is certainly far deeper than just some key players opting out and dealing with a small bit of injuries and all this stuff. Uh, obviously the whole COVID situation. Um, I mean it it. With how many people there 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 are, how many free agents there are always? You know, surely someone's out there. Like even for just depth, because that's something right now I don't feel like they have at all in a lot of places, but especially wide receiver. And you know, we'll touch on that in a second. They just kind of add a little bit to that. But you know, what what real help is is that going to do? Who knows. <laughs> It's actually what Bill was referring to when he talked about this was the Patriots' lack of depth. And again, it's like, yeah, okay, they had a lot of people opt out. They had no opt outs in the league. And you can't help that. But still, the notion that there aren't guys out there that could have helped, especially when you knew guys like Hightower and uh, Chung were opting out, mm-hmm. don't tell me you couldn't have found someone else. Exactly. Because I guarantee and, you, you could have. Yeah, and then there's the, the ever-apparent number that Chase Winovich hasn't been playing as much for no yeah. good reason. No yeah. good reason. The coaches have basically no explanation. They just say, oh yeah, he's not seeing the field as much. 
But this guy is probably one of the most dominant on the field right now, at least when he was on the field consistently. I'm like, what are you doing to this man? I mean, look, he had a game in Seattle. That's hard to do. Exactly. So there, there, there is something going on in there that they won't, they won't, and we'll never know, and they won't tell us. So we'll know when some, <laughs> we'll know when some crazy cuckoo uh, author bestseller book comes out, <laughs> and they'll say, "Oh, this is absolute horse crap. It's this guy's nuts," and we're like, "Yeah, but I'm still going to read it." Okay. <laughs> So you mentioned the uh, the trade for Isaiah Ford. You didn't say it by name, but he's a receiver from Miami. And the Patriots said good things about him. Of course they would. He's our new teammate. But Adam Gase likes him. He drafted him in Miami. But here's my question to you, and I don't mean this to shot at Adam Gase entirely. I mean it as somewhat of a shot, but not entirely. Do we even care what Adam Gase says anymore? Does he have any credibility anymore? I I wouldn't really think think so. I mean, the I also am just not. I don't think he has enough data to even suggest that Isaiah Ford is is you know good enough, despite you know drafting him. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying he's not, but the guy's played like one full season at most and has dealt with injuries uh, throughout his short tenure here. He's got like 500 yards receiving in 15 games, which, you know, not, not horrible, That's, no. but, but he doesn't, he, he's, he's dealt with injuries already and was out his entire rookie season, I believe on injured reserve. Correct. So we don't really know too much about what he can do. We don't. And that's the thing. He'll, he'll get his shot. He can't play on Monday night, but he'll, he'll get his shot mm-hmm. and he should, but because there ain't much else going around, but yeah, it, it, it I don't think he has enough evidence to suggest that you said he's got four, 41 catches, 428 yards in 15 games over the past two seasons. He did have a seven catch, 50 yard, 54 yard performance against the Patriots last season. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. In all honesty, that's not bad for a, for a receiver. I would think we all classify as a fringe receiver. Yeah. Uh, so that's not bad. Devin McCourty said he's a tough guy, played in the slot a little bit last year when we played him a little bit this year. Uh, seems a versatile guy that they've used in different situations. I would imagine he's a guy that could probably fit all the play all the different receiver positions because he's played outside when we played them. Don't know a ton about him. He was a younger guy. We've only faced him the last uh, uh, last couple of times we played him. Uh, so excited to, see, to get any new guys in here and hopefully we can get him up to speed and he can help the team. Close quote. That's probably about that's probably the sentiment of most Patriots fans is. We'll give you a shot, man, but you've got to prove it. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when we saw the news, I was like, I genuinely have no idea who this guy is, but they need receiver depth. So, okay. Like, I that was my... Blown, I wasn't blown away by it. I wasn't disappointed by it. I was like, okay, receiver depth. Cool. They should have called down to Romeo Cornell and tried to get Will Fuller out of Houston. I forgot people. I think what there was a lot of rumors around that uh, Green Bay was a chase him, and they obviously did not, or they tried and didn't reach a deal. They didn't even try. Green Bay never does. Green Bay is the uh, is the draft them, develop them, grow them on the farm front office. <laughs> That's just who they are. They don't. Only recently have the Packers even begun to start uh, signing free agents, big name free agents in the offseason. That doesn't normally happen for them. 
So while you see whatever you're going to see, I'm going to ask you another question. There's been rumors uh, that uh, one James Garoppolo's time in San Francisco was coming to an end, that uh, his injuries and Kyle Shanahan has grown tired of him being injured and he's not fit for his offense. And because everyone has to do this in the, in the modern sports media, they put him back in New England for some mm-hmm. unforeseen reason. Yep. Would you take him back if it was offered? I'm not going to lie. I have no ill ill feelings towards Jimmy Garoppolo. He was traded away uh, a few years ago. You know, when he when he got to play for New England, the times he did, he did what he needed to do. But even it was quite apparent, even in his tenure with New England, when he did get to play, you know, when he started those uh, those couple games in, in the um, 2016 season, opening for uh, a suspended Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he won the, he won games, and then he got injured in like a game and a half. Um, and essentially, I feel like that's been the routine with Jimmy Garoppolo since he got traded to to uh, San Francisco. He kind of finished out that season with them for the most part. You know, kind of brought him back from the grave, so to speak. And then next full season, he starts. He's gone immediately. And then this season. Or, or last season, I don't know how much he dealt with injuries last season, but, you know, of course, they made the Super Bowl lost. And now this season, he's had two high ankle sprains, and they are expecting him to be out some eight weeks right now and probably just, say, call it the season. So that worries me. I, For that reason, I wouldn't want him back. Not have not because he, I don't think he's capable, not because I don't think he's a good quarterback or anything like that, not because I hate him. I what team wants to pick up a guy who can't stay healthy, whether it's his home fault or not. It's, it's, it's a risk that I don't, I really don't want to be honest. I'm with you. And here's the thing that San Francisco offensive line when they're all healthy is better than the Patriots offensive line. And we've seen how that went. Mm-hmm. I don't want a guy with a, with a offensive line resembling Swiss cheese up front, uh, uh, back there who's injury prone. I just don't want that. Okay. Now, here's my, here's my next point. If I gave you Jacoby Brissett back, would you take Jacoby Brissett back? Well, I'd have no problem with it for the full... I mean, he's, he didn't blow me away from the time he was playing in, in Indianapolis, but he did have some... Uh, I, I don't believe he had any injury problems. That's a plus, but... Let's see. I'm going to look up his stats in, in uh, Indianapolis. I don't remember what they were. They're so in the he, stat guy over here. Uh-huh. So he did um, – I don't know what they – doesn't show me anything on the 18 season. Oh, there we go. So he did uh, – in 2017 with Indianapolis, he played 16 game, all 16 games, started 15 of them. He had just under 3,100 yards. He was 13-7. and seven. Uh, touchdown interceptions and and lost three fumbles. Plus had you know some two hundred and sixty rushing yards. Twenty eighteen only played four games. Oh, of course, I think that was why. Uh, what because he was you know filling in in twenty seventeen for an injured uh, luck, right? Um, that sounds yeah. I think that was the case. Uh, here we go. Traded to the Colts. Um, Injured luck, suffered an injury. Yeah, so he started that season. 2018, he returned because luck came back. 
And then, of course, 2019, he jumped in back into the starting role because Luck had retired um, out of nowhere. Um, and during that season, he, let's see, he had 2,900 yards of uh, passing, 18 and 6, which is, you know, that's pretty efficient in terms of touchdown interception ratio. Uh, lost five fumbles um, and had 200 and some rushing yards. So it, it's kind of, they're, they're almost, Minus the rushing yards for the most part, they're, they're almost Cam Newton passing yards, except for it seems that Brissett's not as turnover prone right now. Right. I, I mean, mean, 18 to 6 is what? 3 to 1 touchdown interception? Mm-hmm. That's not bad. So he's 31 and 13 in his career. Um, and then has five, nine rushing touchdowns for them coming in both each of the two seasons he was a starter. Um, so really, I mean, again, he also knows the system a little bit. You know, granted, he was only there for about a year and a half or a little under a – well, I guess a little under that. And um, so he'd still – I wouldn't be against it. I'm not entirely sure it would work better than the situation right now, but at the same time, I wouldn't really be against it for the most part. I mean, statistically with, with Garoppolo, there's no problems there either. He's like 51 and 26 overall. Uh, in touchdown interception ratio, his his yards are all right, um, things like that. Um, like also, you know, he would know the system to some extent, uh, but the injuries would would lead me just to not bother with it at all, uh, unless they got him for really cheap, kind of how they did Newton this year. <laughs> yeah, which I'm, you know, I'm with you. I I. I... I love Jacoby Brissett. I'm not going to lie. I love that kid. I, I, I think he – I don't blame the Colts for going after Philip Rivers, but I genuinely believe had he been given enough time to really – with the, what the Colts are building, I think had he been at the helm, they would be among the top teams in the AFC. I genuinely believe that because I love what he brings to the table. And I think that his numbers, 18-6 to 6, touchdown and interception ratio last season, is the indication that the Colts – uh, can run the ball, and we know they can. Mm-hmm. And they're not asking him to do a whole lot, which is how you have to play. It, the the 49ers want to run the ball. That's their MO. Everyone looks at them as Shanahan as being a passing a passing guy. He's not as much as you would think. Yeah, he, They like to run the ball. What have we seen the Patriots do? Run the ball. I think if you brought Brissett back and played that same style they did against the Texans in the game he started, that first game, he started on that short week and just ran the ball down their throats with Garrett Blunt. Mm-hmm. I think you could. I think that could work. I, I genuinely believe it, and I think he has enough in him where if he has to make a throw, he can. Garoppolo can make a throw, but I've seen him make some decisions where you go, "Wait, what? Yeah, what are you thinking, Jimmy?" No, again, everyone does that. Even Brady did that, but still, it wasn't. It wasn't that often. Yeah, exactly, and. Right now, at least the last couple of weeks with Newton, it's been basically that same situation. Or really, any quarterback that's been at the helm since the uh, since he was diagnosed with COVID, it's been a what what kind of throw was that? Where who were you throwing it to? Which is yeah, I, it's another phrase I'm used to saying. Looking at you, slew of WVU quarterbacks that were horrible at making good decisions with throwing the not ball. Not named Pat White. Not named Pat White. Pat White is the only West Virginia football quarterback god of the last few years. (laughs) 
and he hasn't played in 12 years. Dear Lord, we're old. <laughs> Dear, we're old. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the review in a second. Jets, Patriots, Monday night, ESPN. Patriots are about seven point favorite. Is that fair considering the Jets are 0 and 7? Given and don't look anywhere near like a competitive team in the NFL. Given how nowhere near a competitive team the New England Patriots are looking right now, a seven points probably fail. I mean, it's also the New York Jets we're talking about. It, it I logically anyone would say, yeah, that that should be a given. Like the Jets are just going to lose a game because the Jets, um, and and all of the uh, all of the. Uh, trends seem to go for the Patriots, right? I'm looking at, granted, this is uh, right on the Patriots' website, but um, reading one of their uh, scouting reports is that you know, the Patriots have the, the edge when they run uh, because you know, they have some, the, the, the Jets aren't very good at stopping it. Um, I mean, it's not been a horrible issue, but uh, they still allow 100 and some yards, which really, if we can just keep running and you got Cam Newton in the backfield, Hopefully, if he doesn't turn it over, there shouldn't be too much to worry about. And then, when the Patriots pass, they they should have the edge there because, well, the Jets are atrocious in that for the most part. Granted, the Patriots are 29th in passing offense, so who knows? Can this be called weakness on weakness? Because it's not strength on strength. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see. When the Jets are running, the Patriots should be able to do it because, I mean, that let's see, they have I forgot they had Frank Gore, uh, but the rushing attack for the Jets is pretty bad, um, even though the Patriots again have been fairly bad, um, and they might be missing Lawrence Guy, which uh, I don't want to have to deal with that. No. Um, so maybe, uh, who knows <laughs> if they if they put Chase Winovich in there for more. Or, or, or more, then maybe they'll have a little bit more of a, a help there, at least in the passing game, which, again, this thing says that the Patriots would have the pat, uh, the edge there um, because, well, Donald. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. Are there any other words to, is, to say there? No, uh, the, 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 the Jets guy, broke him. The guy is, is not in a good situation right now. I mean, he's got Jamison Crowder and Rashad Perryman and then a former Patriot, Braxton Berrios, we didn't see much time, if any, when he was there. But um, Crowder's really been the only one that's been consistent. But they've all kind of battled injuries, so you kind of have. And to... they battled, and they battled coaching. Yeah, and they battled coaching. So really, it's a. I mean, the Patriots' secondary is still pretty good, so I don't imagine a passing game is going to do too much uh, for the Jets. And special teams wise, I mean, I don't know. Nick Folk's been been pretty solid, so that's nice. Uh, I don't know the numbers of the special teams, but like overall, like returning return wise or anything, but uh, it's not been spectacular from what I've seen. You know, Olszewski's doing what he needs to do, but that's about it. And really, that's all you can do at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, what else is there? Yeah, I, I the, like you said, everything points to the Patriots, and usually that says go the other way, but it's the New York Jets, mm-hmm. okay? And I don't want to sound like – I don't want to have someone sue me for defamation or anything, but I think we all understand the Jets are not good. Yeah, I mean – I think we all know that. Absolutely. Like, if you don't, 
I, I ask you what rock you've been living <laughs> under. I mean, here are the here are the offensive rankings uh, for the Jets. Total offense, two hundred and fifty nine yards, dead last in the NFL. Rush offense, one hundred thirty one hundred and three point one yards. These are per game, of course. Twenty um, second in the NFL. Pass offense, one hundred and fifty five point nine yards per game, dead last, which is just under the Patriots, which is 30th with 192. Points per game, the uh, 11 points per game. Just under 12 points per game uh, at 11.8. Dead last in the NFL. The Patriots are sitting at just under 20 points per game, which is 29th. And then the defense is, uh, the Jets' defense is allowed almost 3,200 yards. And their total defense is allowing almost 400 yards per game, which is n- bottom well, bottom uh, 26th, so quite bottom third there, if not, you know, bottom bottom sixth. I don't really know the breakdown on that. Um, so they're, they are statistically absolute garbage. And you know, What's the shows, defensive points per game? Uh, points per game, 29.8, which is almost, Ouch. La- you know, 28th they're, in the NFL. They're losing 30 to, 30 to 12 every week on average. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots, Patriots are allowing... 12th in the league, 23.9 points per game. Thank you, Seattle, for running <laughs> and running up the score on us. Thanks. Right. So, and uh, also, this is something that is just frankly hilarious. New England has scored 15 touchdowns all season. The Jets have scored as many touchdowns all season as they have lost games. Eight. <laughs> the... Mahomes had four touchdown passes in the first half. The Jets have, uh, excuse me, the Jets, no. Mahomes had five touchdown passes last week against the Jets. The Jets have four pass touchdowns all season. Yeah. So the, the Patriots aren't much better in that department, but it's still it's fun to laugh at the Jets. The Jets are just absolute garbage. They're the only team without a victory. And frankly, I'm going to say it wouldn't surprise me if New England coughs it up because this season. However, I, I, I gotta say this. This should be a gimme for New England. It should be, should but be. it will not surprise me one bit if it ends up a, a loss because that's just this season. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. I know you just said it wouldn't surprise you. I'm gonna ask you this anyway. Did the Jets go 0 and 16? Not can they or should they? Do they? Do they? Uh, I don't know. What's the rest of the schedule look like? Um, it ain't pretty. Oh no, for sure. Let's pop that up. Uh. Got it. Yep. Um, all right, so we got – they got obviously the Patriots. Then they got the Chargers, and the Chargers are not doing too too poorly. Um, the AFC version of the Falcons blowing leads like this. Yeah. They've blown uh, – no, they've blown three leads of 17 or more this season. Ouch. Uh, that's – ouch. 17, 17, 21. Then uh, – so, I mean, that could be a toss-up, but maybe probably a Chargers uh, victory. Uh, they play the Jets. Or they play the Jets, yes. The Jets play the Jets, and they still lose. Um, <laughs> they play the Dolphins, and just a couple weeks ago, they lost 24 nothing, put up a goose egg. Um, so, they, I, I'd imagine they're probably going to lose that. Um, I, the Raiders, honest, don't see that happening. Seahawks, no way. Absolutely not happening. The Jets versus the Rams. Who knows? I mean, the Rams. It's in LA. The Rams are a toss-up, really. Uh, but in LA, pff, 
probably. The Browns, the Browns are as this as crazy as this is to say, are actually decent. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll Cleveland. So who knows? But again, probably the Browns winning. Uh, but I wouldn't put it past the Jets to somehow squeak it out because Cleveland. Uh, and then they end the season with the Patriots, which again, as we said, who knows? I don't even, who knows about tomorrow? We, uh, not tomorrow, uh, Monday, really. Um, but I don't see them winning twice against New England if, if they happen to win once. Um, but yeah, no, it's not looking good for them with their, so it's, it's quite possible. I mean, it's not 100%, of course, because you know, we've seen some crazy things happen. You it's know, the NFL. Arizona, Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Arizona come out and beating Seattle. I would have never called that. Um, so I, I'm going to say it's possible. I wouldn't right. say 100% that it will happen, but I would lean more more likely than not that it would happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's a question for you. And I watch more football now because I'm home all Sunday mm-hmm. than you do. Yep. But when's the last time you watched the Jets in a non-Patriots versus Jets setting? When's the last time I watched the Jets? Hmm. In a non-Patriots game setting. That is a very good question. Because huh. they're not a team that gets put on TV a lot. They're not a team you really want to watch a lot. Yeah. It's like, exactly. they're not good. I can't remember a time, to be honest. I can't either. I, probably, I can't either. <laughs> I could probably go as far as to say I've never watched them outside of a Patriots game. To my To what I can recall at this current moment, I don't think that's ever been the case. I actually remember one. Uh, when the Browns had that big losing streak, uh, and they ended against the Jets on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. or I watched that game. Uh, they were up in Cleveland, and the Browns had everyone going crazy because they were going to win the game, and they finally did, and they unlocked all the Bud Light beer coolers and whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched. That's the last time I watched the Jets in a non-Patriots versus Jets setting. I think that was at the 2018 season or something like that. So there you go. That's it. <laughs> We're moving on to college now. Uh, for those of you who thought COVID was just going to stop uh, for, uh, for the election being over, try tying that to Wisconsin, who now is up, up to 27 uh, cases in their program, and they canceled this weekend's game against Purdue. They will try, keyword try, to play next week against Michigan. Louisiana Tech and North Texas has already been postponed uh, due to COVID-19. And, of course, the big one, Trevor Lawrence will not play for Clemson on Saturday against Notre Dame, which takes a lot of the, of the buzz out of that game, but still is a very interesting game, interesting game to me for various reasons I can get into later should time allow. When I tell you all of this, Darren, I don't want you to get all political about it in terms of, like, you know, saying all, you know, a certain group wanted to thought this would end mm-hmm. uh, when the election ended. I don't need to go for any further into that. Nope. But I want you to at least, when I say all this news, what's the first thing that comes to your mind in relation to college football? It doesn't surprise me. It's, it's sad that I have to say that, but it doesn't surprise me. Because I have basically been saying that this would probably be the case the entire time since before these seasons started, that we would start getting hit with this. And then before the Big Ten ever decided, hey, let's 
start up again with this weird schedule that has no flexibility, which we ripped apart a few weeks ago. Um, it it was bound to happen because they, as much as they want to play, they don't seem to care about really keeping themselves, you know, from risking their seasons and their games. I I I can't I can't understand the cognitive dissonance there. I want to play, I'm but with... I don't want to keep everyone else around me safe. Hmm. I'm with I'm with you. There's like okay, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Granted, it's a lot of it's a lot harder to keep a uh, uh, a virus like this at bay in a college campus than it is a professional environment. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But still, you as a player can take precautions to uh, to ensure your safety. And this is what baffled me. Trevor Lawrence, the only reason he's not playing on Saturday is because the cardiovascular tests required to uh, go back to the field from the ACC aren't going to be uh, done yet. So if they'd had those done before Saturday, actually before Friday when they got on the plane, today when they got on the plane, mm-hmm. or get on the plane for South Bend, <clears throat> if they hadn't, uh, they had been had been done and he passes, he would have played tomorrow night. Less than a week, about a week or so after, uh, actually it was a week ago yesterday, that we got news that he he tested positive. I I find that absolutely insane, especially that a week afterwards, the only thing holding him back is a cardiology test. Yeah, which is insane because that's not even at the CDC guideline of ten days, which they claim, which I believe the Big Ten claimed to be following, right? Oh, the not ACC. the ACC. Yeah, the ACC claimed to be following. Yes. So that's not even that they're not even following up the guidelines they said they were going to be following. If that was the case, which that's ridiculous. In the words of Jim Justice, follow the guidelines. Explicit deleted. As much how dare you redact the expletive? <laughs> how dare you redact the expletive? Hey, I got in trouble with that last week. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> 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 oh. oh boy! Jim oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Memes. Oh. All right. But All right. Back to the back to the serious stuff. Cardiovascular thing or not, following those guidelines, he shouldn't be playing on Saturday anyway. And they should be following. He shouldn't even. He shouldn't even be on the plane. Exactly. He should be stuck with his girlfriend somewhere in Clemson. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they can find something to do. Video games, you know. Actually, uh, I, I shouldn't say his fiance. I'm going to get wrong. Either way, point still stands. Exactly. But no, these numbers don't surprise me. It's frankly, I'm just... You want to say you're over it, but it, it's, it's, it's not okay to be over it because we shouldn't be. Well, we should be we should over be this, over but pandemic. we're not. We shouldn't be over the fact that it's ex- it's existing. I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. Is, to rephrase go. that uh, for clarity, we should we, we should be over this pandemic. We should have been over this ages ago, but sitting here and not doing anything to help it when you really wanted to play this game, you shouldn't be playing it if you're going to do that. None of you should be, because you clearly are showing that you don't really care. About the safety of anyone around you. You just want to throw a football. You can do that in your backyard. I do it all the time. I haven't done that in a long time. You can, if you come back in for some time, you and I are getting a football and we're going to throw it. Agreed. 
All right, we've got that settled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. We talked about this last week, and it happened. Surprised to everyone's shock. West Virginia got a signature win. They beat a ranked team. And I had a trivia question for you, and I'm going to look that up. I forgot to put it in our rundown. While you give a reaction to Kansas State losing to West Virginia, West Virginia being Kansas State, if we're going to be more positive about it. Yeah. While I give this, while I look up this trivia question, uh, give me your give me your uh, reaction to that game. This is a this is a perfect moment where I am absolutely happy to be proven wrong because last week I pretty much said that the score was going to be flip flopped. It was going to be what thirty to thirty one fifteen, I think is what I said. And, Somewhere thereabouts. And in Kansas State's favor. Uh, g- given how horribly the Mountaineers have been been showing, uh, you know, had been playing the last couple weeks before that, even in, in victories, uh, and how interesting Kansas State had been playing, especially you know knocking out some key teams, it was I just didn't quite believe that they were even West Virginia was even favored. I didn't understand it, and for a short while there. I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a little tough. And then second quarter comes around, they pop out 21 points, and I'm like, whoa. And I mean, things just started clicking. And next thing you know, it's a scoreless half for Kansas State, and they and West Virginia walks off victorious. And I'm sitting there going, woo! It was, I mean, the defense was was starving, to say the least. Three interceptions, uh, and they held Kansas State to 225 yards. That's that was that's wonderful. They, the defense put the offense in some wonderful positions, and the offense didn't make too many mistakes. They made a few, of course, but they didn't make ridiculous amount of mistakes. And the penalties were not too horrible. It, it's like they flipped the switch in in a week. And I'm like, this is how they should be playing. Here's a trivia question for you, and I agree. West Virginia's last win before Saturday was against, of a ranked team was against Texas in the Gary Jennings-Will Greer game. Mm-hmm. Of those losses, and there were, as I counted, nine to ranked teams, how many of those games were non-conference games that West Virginia lost? To rank teams, hmm. of of the nine, yes. Hmm. I'm gonna say, say five. One. <laughs> I figured it was the twenty eight. The the twenty eighteen bowl game against Syracuse. Ah. Is the only one. Every other game that they lost to a ranked team, which was all those games against ranked teams, was a Big 12 team. Weirdly enough, I didn't even remember that Syracuse was ranked in that game. Yeah, it's kind of hard to fathom Syracuse being ranked, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was going through and I was like, that's an interesting stat. And I wanted to bring it up, but I just I went to put it in our rundown and I forgot about it until I was staring at it. But I agree. It was really one of those things where I think you and I were looking at it going into the game and like, well, I said they'll win. I said like 24-20. Yeah. And I was proven right in the result, but I got the score wrong. And I don't even give a damn about that. I just don't. Here's the thing, though. Kansas State was leading the league coming into that game. They hadn't lost a conference exactly. game yet. And they looked like they didn't even belong on the same field at times. Yeah, it was, it was 
So that that was another fun thing to sit there and take down the top team in the in the conference when I when I didn't think they had any business doing so. I I don't think most people did. I certainly after what happened at Texas Tech, no way. And here's what was surprising about it: Jared Deggy, although he threw the ball more than we would have liked. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty good. Oh, exactly. I mean, it, all things considered, it definitely he missed some. He definitely made some mistakes in terms of missing some some fairly potentially easy passes. Um, but in classic fashion this year, the receivers have been being abused, and some of those catches could have very easily been catches um, that weren't necessarily Davis' fault. Um, and then the, I mean, the one game, the one game, you know, kind of helped. Keep that up as well. You know, Letty Brown doing Letty Brown things. And that was it, it was it was essentially the perfect showing of complimentary football on just about all the edges. Speaking of complimentary, Alex Infield did a very good job of complimenting Letty oh, Brown. Definitely. He 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 he's got that he's got that extra quickness. They were they were saying they were saying a phrase that I hadn't really thought about. Um Letty Brown was more of a one-cut guy. He makes the one cut and commits, I believe is what they were saying. Um, he finds the hole, cuts in, commits, and goes. And generally, he won people over in the, in the uh, quest for more yards. Sinkfield, on the other hand, he will make as many cuts as necessary, and he will shoot people out of their shoes all day. And that's how he gains his yards. So it, they, definitely, they definitely utilized both of them uh, quite well, and they did, you know, they did their job quite well. I agree 100%. They got it spot on there. So, off that signature win, West Virginia then goes down to arguably the, uh, well, uh, not arguably, it's one of the blue bloods in the conference and in the college football. They going down to Austin, Texas to face a Longhorn team that is ranked in though it has the exact same record as West Virginia has had mostly the exact same season. With one loss, there's no shame in having Oklahoma for them, Oklahoma State for us. And they've had one loss where you go, what the hell are you thinking? For them, it's TCU. For us, it's Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're ranked, but they are. It's another chance for a ranked I win have, for West Virginia. I have three words for you to answer that question. Not to, to cut you off, but why they're ranked? They're Texas. That's why. Yep. You're right about that. I wanted to write – this is my Big 12 game of the week, and I wanted to write that in my article, but I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to try to keep it somewhat professional here, but I don't have to here. So it, it, that's exactly it. They're 4-2. They're and two. They, They've had moments where they've looked like they ha- could be something. They've had moments where you go, okay, where's Texas? Exactly. I mean, and it's, it's the same Ellinger show. I mean, without him, and even then, arguably with him, you know, it's it, He's been almost the cause of some of the losses, the losses that should have been losses, and simultaneously the the reason for them, for for the for the ones that they have had with the victories. It's it's a very weird situation. Take St. Ellinger out of the equation, and I don't really know what Texas is. I'm with you. I think Sam Ellinger tries too hard at times. He tries so hard he goes over the edge sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he, and I can't I can't fault him for it, but it's like, dude. If you calm down and you come off that emotional edge, your team might actually be a lot better. Oh, definitely. I mean, if it wasn't for some some key uh, some key turnovers 
last week, they wouldn't have had a, they probably wouldn't have had a shot. And the Oklahoma State yeah. started cracking the bed on their own because they were turning it over. And I'm like, and then you know they go to overtime, and next thing you know, it's the Sam Ellinger saving the day show. And I'm like, uh, well, how? I mean, if I recall correctly, Sam Ellinger made quite a few mistakes that put them in that situation to begin with. Yeah, and that's the third overtime game Texas has played this season. Mm-hmm. They've played three games and half of them have gone six games, half of them have gone to overtime against Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. And that's, not a, that's not a situation you want to be put in. No. That's not a situation you should be put in. Like, sure, we'll no. two in a season, but three in a span of six games. That is insane. Yeah, and what, what that tells me is this. They don't have it. They don't have the ability to win in regulation, and they're not there. The fact that they're ranked and West Virginia isn't when you've got three out of six that have gone to overtime. Admittedly, you've won all of them. But it's like, oh, excuse me, you've two and one. Uh, it's like, okay, what, what, how, how can you justify the number next to this team's name? Taking, if you did the blind resume thing they do for the playoff every year, mm-hmm. and you put these two teams together and didn't tell people who, they probably would pick West Virginia over Texas based on resume. Yeah, definitely. But here we are. Yep. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always the same. Texas is back, and then they blow it a couple times. And then, it's, then they come back, and it's like, Texas is back again. It's like, Guys, they were never here to begin with. Shut Texas up. is most assuredly not back. No. West Virginia is a seven-point underdog in this game. The over/under is fifty-five. That seemed fair to you? Honestly, how much of a toss-up this game seems to be to me, I it, it could go like I, it could very well come down to uh, who has the ball last. For all I know, um, and then that could be the seven points. Uh, so really. Being an underdog, not really surprising. The seven points, maybe. Um, but I I think it'll be – it's going to be very interesting. If West, if West Virginia can keep up what they were doing last week, not making mental errors, you know, be a little better – be good with the ball. You know, Deggie was quite – fairly accurate. Um, then it, it, it could be a fight. Uh, but definitely – take advantage of their mistakes because and the defense has been showing they can do that so it's just keep Ellingo on his toes I mean the Stills brothers and the the young guy uh Barrett is his name correct Shaquille Barrett yeah they and uh not Shaquille Barrett uh what's his name and uh oh number 50 I'm is drawing... what I'm thinking of yeah I know and I'm drawing a blank on his name which I shouldn't be yeah I mean, he was new to me only a couple weeks ago, so, but... Akeem Ezidor, too. Yeah, so, you, they got a... Uh, the key here, I, I, a, here's an Athlon article I was reading on it. Um, they have they have Texas winning 30-27. to 27. Um, Again, fail. Um, but, who knows, that could go the other way. Um, I mean, running, obviously, West Virginia keep on that running game. Uh... The, the the defense Texas's past defense is is I don't know I mean they gave up 400 yards last week uh, so 
It's college that's, football. For one of you guys, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so that's that's okay. All right, that's how that goes. Um, so really, get get Ford Wheaton, get Jennings, get get those receivers out there and toss them some balls. You just got to be accurate with it. Dakey's been hit or miss with those with those passes. Um, so maybe not focus on too many deep plays, uh, but. You know, if it's open, I guess chuck it as long as there's no risk. But who knows? Um, I don't want a play in the back of the end zone like I did last time we went down oh, there. Definitely, I don't. I don't trust this team to do that. Exactly. Um, so really, rely on the running game, as I've always been saying this season. Rely on the running game to open up the air. I I don't know the stats right off with Texas's uh, run defense, um, but let's see. Oops. Let me pop it up. Oh, man, that was horrible. Uh... <laughs> Real defense. live content for you folks. <laughs> Research happening in progress. Yes. Oh, boy. Defense. This is what we, this is what your uh, hard-earned time gets <laughs> you. I'll go to the big 12 here. Uh, Oh. I thought you were going to the. I thought you were going to the ACC. <laughs> ah, well, let me click it. Okay, either way, I'll find it in a minute. As we're going on through here, my point is, my my keep doing what they've been doing. Put, rely on the run game for a bit. Open up the air game, and and you'll be fine. Running is the strength. It is. Letty Brown and Singfield. Are explosive, they're productive. Keep relying on them and let Daggies take the opportunities when they show up because of that running game opening up. Um, on the other side, like I said, take out Sam Ellingo. That's essentially all you have to do. Now, don't sell out to do that. Don't sell out to do it because then, you know, again, I don't know how explosive their running game is or how explosive the running, uh, the running back is, but I know he's young and some guys are or banking on him. Um, so really, keep eyes on Elingo, but don't sell out for him. If you can get if you can get a guy on him, so be it. I mean, the Sills brothers will probably get to him a couple times, if not more. They're gonna they're gonna make it hard for him, and if they the harder they make it for him, the better the Mountaineers are going to be. Um, Guess who their leading rusher is? Oh boy, is it selling Elingo? Yes. Oh my goodness. 78 attempts, 284 yards, the average of 3.6 yards per carry. He has a long of 36. He has seven touchdowns this season for them on the ground. This, this far no running, season... no, no other running, no other person has more than two. It's literally two for Rashawn Johnson, and then Keontae Ingram has one. Mm-hmm. And he also has, Elliger has. 1,650 yards passing. He's completing 60.3% of his passes. He has 20 touchdowns and five interceptions on the season. Uh, he has been sacked 16 times. Wow. Yeah, I, I say, yeah, it, keep those Stills brothers push, putting pressure on him. And I don't, uh, depending on the how they plan to utilize um, – um, uh, Barrett, um, maybe maybe keep a spy on him a little more often. 
maybe don't keep it constantly, but maybe do it a little more often than than you would any other quarterback. I would hope they would think of that, and you know, keep him contained. He he can break out. That's one of the few things I can say about him is he can get running. But and he's not afraid to do it either. Exactly. Uh, so put the hits on him. Make him scared to do it. And the Stills brothers, I guarantee you, will make him scared to do it. Here's my game plan to beat Texas. Go to your defense and say, hey, you see number seven or whatever his number is? Stop him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, he doesn't beat me. If someone else does, so be it. I'm not letting him beat me. And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. As a West Virginia fan, I am, a, I am sick and tired of hearing about Sam Ellinger in Texas. Feels like he's been there for 85 years, and I'm <laughs> sick and tired of it. And it's the same Feels story. Feels like he was there since Second World War. <laughs> it's the same story. Oh, Sam Ellinger and the Texan, uh, Texans. The Texas Longhorns are back, and they blow it, as they always do, because whatever. I mean, this is one of those situations where they hype him up so much, he's going to go to the NFL, and he's going to be a dud. I just, yeah, he's gonna. They're going to play him out to be the GOAT, and it's like, what makes you believe that at all? Exactly. He's going to be one of those guys that, that gets picked up by a poor team to, to not necessarily his fault, and then his career fizzles out. Because really, I, he's not phenomenal. He's as boring to me as quarterbacks like, um, oh, Denard Robinson was his name from Michigan. Yeah. The dude who was a glorified running back that occasionally threw the ball. Like, I feel like, like, like Ellingo gives me that feel, even though he doesn't run nearly as much as Denard Robinson did. But he's, he's a guy that tries to make it, he really does try to make it a me, me, me situation. Yeah, and he talks in this arrogant Texas is like the, the gold standard of college football. Maybe they were in the 60s and 70s, but they're not now. The The sport has passed you by. Mo, here's the thing. Most teams in the SEC are better than Texas. Mm-hmm. That's a problem for Texas. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, sure. But Kentucky's better than Texas. Tennessee's better than Texas. Uh, Arkansas might be better than Texas right now. Ole Miss is better than Texas, I think, in terms of just pure offense. Auburn, eh, maybe. Uh, but Texas should have like maybe two or three teams that are ahead of them, and they have almost half the sport ahead of them right now in terms of just pure how good they are. Ranking be damned. I don't care about that number. I care about actual who could beat them? And Texas could get <clears throat> into a fight with anyone. Mm-hmm. Same program, same coach, same quarterback that lost to Kansas two years ago. Go ahead. Tell me that's good. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> uh... It's, it's, you, you, you see all the time, people on TV and networks I will not name are salivating over Texas, and I'm like, why? Why? Yes, it's good for the sport to have Texas be good. I'm not saying it isn't. But that's not a good team. That's an average team that just happens to have four wins this season. No, definitely. They got they got lucky in overtime against uh, Texas Tech. And they got lucky in overtime last week. That's exactly. the whole game last week. If you if you're whole, that's not good. Your whole four and two season 
relied on relies on the fact that luck got you to four and two instead of two and four, then no, I'm not convinced at all that you're just back at all or as good as people think you are. I'm never convinced that Texas is as good as people think they are. If it wasn't Texas, people would not care about a four and two team like this. They just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. They don't if care it about was... WVU. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, West Virginia's better team, and we're in the receiving belt section behind like five other teams. Now that I wasn't wasn't aware of. That's that's fun to know. But they're like fifth. They're like thirtieth or thirty fifth in the country. It's like, how? (laughs) How? How is this team that's four and two because they were ranked fifteenth to begin the season, and they've only dropped seven spots? They've lost twice. Explain mm-hmm. to me that. Oh, exactly. And one of them's to a bad Texas Tech team. And we know all about that because we've lost to them too. <laughs> yeah, this it's it's a whole mess. It's essentially I will, almost as I, I expected. I will never understand the enigma that is college football poll. I will I never understand <clears throat> the enigma that is a college football poll. Playoff, playoff committee, AP coaches, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <sighs> Moving on. Is Texas a rival? And before you answer this, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a little bit of a reason why this story is in here. I was doing some research on this game, and I found an article from WBOY up in Fairmont or Clarksburg, mm-hmm. wherever it is. They were uh, basically asking Neil Brown whether or not Texas was a rival. He said no. It's just the conference game that can go a long way determining which team gets to the championship game. But if you look deeper into this, in the Big 12 era, the two teams are not up at four mm-hmm. in terms of the series. Yep. The road team has won seven of the eight games. West Virginia, if we're looking at that, has a fairly even chance to beat Texas, and they might be a little bit over the edge because they're playing on the road and the road team generally <clears> wins here. We know what happened the last time they played here. We don't like Texas because we think Texas is arrogant. Yep. Is Texas a rival in West Virginia in the Big 12? It's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing to think about, really. Because like, I've always, before you ask this question, I, I had always been on the, pretty much since the, from the start, on the, the belief that TCU was who I would consider the rival. Just because of, I mean... It was never you never really understood what was going to go on. I mean, you know, game day came here, where came to Morgantown when TCU came in, and then that was a, a last second field goal, um, and all of that. Um, but I mean, Texas has been the team that there's always been some heat as well, especially the last few seasons, especially since we started throwing horns down. Um, and frankly, I think that kind of helps spark some of that potential rivalry. Whether or not any of these teams decide to claim us as rivals, I think that it's starting to become apparent who some of these rivals are. I mean, both teams hold at most a two-game win streak over the course of the series. Um, same with TCU and, and WVU. WVU's on a two-game win streak against them, and TCU similarly a couple of years ago in 14 and 15 held a two-game win streak. But other than that, it's been basically back and forth. And also similar to, to Texas in that is that it's knotted up 4-4 four to four since they've joined the conference. Uh, and then West Virginia holds the only other victory 
uh, when they weren't in the conference back in 84. So it's, I think both teams for me give a good argument, but now like, especially over the last few years, the fact that I don't feel as strongly about playing a TCU team as I do playing a Texas team who is always hyped up and always back and horns down this, which man, I love throwing horns down when they lose. Um, I, it gives me more of that, you know, fire for that argument. And I, I would be less apt to say no. Um, it's really more so a, I mean, who else thinks that that's the case? I, I don't know, but I can definitely see why. And I can definitely push it more towards my, my belief that Texas might be more of a rival than TCU. <laughs> when I originally believed TCU was the rival. Well, we know Texas does not see West Virginia as a rival. We just know that because mm-hmm. the Texas were not even on the same plane to them. Yep. However, I think at least in terms of us, a rival is generally someone you want to see lose, mm-hmm. right? We both want to see Pitt go 0-12 every year. Yep. Why? Because we hate Pitt. Yep. We both want to see Texas go 0-12 every year. When Texas loses, it's almost as great as a West Virginia win. Definitely. If West Virginia wins and Texas loses outside of West Virginia being Texas, which is already good to begin with, it's a cause for celebration. We love it. Yep. I don't feel that same way about when TCU loses. I really don't. No, I agree. It's it's got more fire when Texas Oklahoma doesn't lose a whole lot, so I can't really say that. But uh, when Texas loses, it's like, hey, <laughs> look at that. Not back now, are you? Ha ha ha. Yeah, it's like, and you thought you were back. That's cute. Uh, but exactly. I, it's a lot I don't easier. know. Uh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Actually, it's definitely a lot easier for, for many different reasons to have that rivalry hatred towards Texas than it is TCU, especially nowadays. Right. I agree. So... Rivals aside, we're going to go now to an old friend. Uh, we're going to move on to our Hellers. We actually have two stories because I, I, I showed you one, and then I also added one, which I don't think, which you honestly said, you know what, that's fine, because it is. Logan Ryan uh, signed a uh, one-year contract to the Giants uh, beginning of the season, but he basically owes them a debt of gratitude for the rest of his life. So after the uh, Monday night loss to the Buccaneers, his wife flew to, flew to Florida to take place in the election and check in on the couple's house they have down there. While she was down there, she started experiencing stomach pains. And they initially wanted to sleep it off, but ended up going to the ER after uh, Ryan consulted the team's athletic trainer, Justin Mayer, who uh, told her symptoms and... Uh, uh, and so basically, they kind of saved their life. Basically, they diagnosed an ectopic pregnancy in which a fertilized egg implants outside the uterus in a fallopian tubes, and the egg was about to burst. Mm-hmm. She went into emergency surgery, and Ryan said she's now doing well. Thank goodness this uh, Logan Ryan had half a brain to ask him, ask someone mm-hmm. because this is a perfect scenario where you could have gone, you know what? Yeah, you know, big deal. He's he got everything else to do. I'm just gonna sleep. We're gonna sleep it off. Kudos to Logan Ryan for having a brain and asking of a medical professional. Exactly. 
You'll be a good dad. It's it's overall like the as fortunate of a situation as you can get because the the problem with the with the ectopic pregnancies is just that you think it's a stomach pain for the most part, and and a lot of people are unaware of those differences because of that, and that's to no one's fault of their own. So it's 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 heads up for for someone to to just ask, and it was a. The possibly the smartest thing he he's no disrespect to Logan Ryan, not saying he's not smart in other ways, but this is probably one of the smartest things I've been aware of him doing in a while because, like, that of it's just something that you need to be aware of, like that you know a, a stomach pain is not always a stomach pain, or like not to the level of a hypochondriac where everything is a problem and you need to go see a doctor for everything, but oh, you got always ask. you got always you got to be aware, someone. absolutely. Right. Joe Judge, the Giants head coach, also told him he was free to fly to Florida to be, his, be with his wife. Uh, and she went on to go into further detail on her Instagram story that saying she had become pregnant despite a fully functioning IUD and that her fallopian tube had actually ruptured. Mm-hmm. She called the pain of the experience, quote, excruciating and reiterated the mayor's advice to the ER was potentially life-saving. Yeah. Kudos to the, everyone in this situation from... Uh, Joe Judge to Logan Ryan to uh, the Justin Mayer, the Giants trainer. Everyone deserves a, a a high five here. Everyone does. Absolutely. I mean, we'll end the show with this. It went from pregnancy to very much not pregnancy. <laughs> you ready for a race that doesn't involve a politician? <laughs> yes. There's a NASCAR race on Sunday in Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix International Raceway, I believe is it still called. And it will be the final race in the career of Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time series champion. He's the only uh, champion, he's the only person to win five consecutive NASCAR championships. He won it in 2000, uh, let's see, when did he win it? He won it in 2007, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. Absolutely dominant. He has 83 career Cup Series wins. That's good for, I think, sixth all time. He has won 373 top tens, 36 poles. The man is arguably the GOAT in NASCAR. He will never be, he, I think he'll never be considered among Richard Petty and Dale Hart Sr. just because I think that's what it, those people are just, they are gods in the sport. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at just pure success and what he did, Jimmy Johnson has no comparison. There simply is none. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, uh, as as obviously you're aware, and maybe other people are aware, I don't watch too much racing. But if there's one or two or three names I know in racing, it's Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt. You know, things like that. And I know a bunch of other ones. I recognize a bunch of other ones from and ones that are still around from when I I did pay somewhat of attention um and you know that you said let me remember the number overall it's six or seven cup uh, like overall championships for, for seven okay so he is literally tied with with, with uh dale onhart who i believe holds the most right so they they are tied. No, he and richard he and richard petty both have uh seven oh, okay earnhardt senior and richard petty and jimmy johnson's three tied at seven gotcha thought so um so i mean 
obviously a lot of people go straight for championship and say, okay, yeah, championships, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if he had one more championship, you probably you'd see everybody else going, yeah, well, he's definitely the GOAT. Um, just not again, not arguing that he isn't. I mean, he obviously has been dominant. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right though in that, in that respect that because he's not a Dale Earnhardt or Richard Petty, people might not say he, or even consider him as when, you know, clearly he deserves to be in that realm considering now he has as many championships as these two, two literal gods of the sport. Check this out. He has 11 wins at Dover International Speedway, the most all time. He swept the race. He swept the races there in 2002-2009. He has nine wins at Martinsville Speedway. He swept in 2007, and uh, he won a playoff races there in 2006, seven and eight, 2012 and 2016. He has eight wins at Charlotte, including sweeps in 2004 and 05. He has seven wins at Texas Motor Speedway and and sweeps in 2015. And five playoff race wins. The man won races, okay? Mm-hmm. And if he wins on Sunday, which is not likely, but if he does, he will break a tie at like sixth place all time and uh, have sixth place to himself. I don't know how you look at someone who's in the top ten in race wins and seven championships, five in a row, and don't consider the man one of the greatest of all time. I don't know how you do that. I genuinely do not because there's nothing, nothing that he hasn't done in the sport. And here's the, and granted, you don't watch a lot of racing. You don't watch the interviews. I do, but, and I don't watch it a lot. I watch some, mostly when there's not football on, but everyone in that, in that garage area will paint Jimmy Johnson as yes, he is a great racer. He's an even better human, though. They'll say that he uh, is just someone who you would never know he's a seven-time champion if you just met him and talked to him. If you didn't see it on his fire suit, you'd never know. Mm-hmm. He, he goes around like he's a, he goes around in the most humble way possible. And to me, that speaks more about him than any of his success, is that you don't know he's successful if you, didn't, if you met him. Exactly. I didn't really feel like I'd get a whole lot out of you, but I did want to bring that up because he's my favorite driver, and I'm going to miss rooting for him. He's, he is still going to race next year, though. He's going to IndyCar. Oh, that's interesting. He's going, he's, he grew up an open-wheel, two-wheel kind of guy. He didn't grow up racing like uh, go-karts. So he's always wanted to be an IndyCar driver, and he finally got a chance after he retires from full-time NASCAR racing, although he will not race the oval portion of the IndyCar schedule. He will only run the road courses, he, which he is wants, still going to be interesting to see. He wants some, uh, he wants some extra tones thrown in there for, for a change. Yes, he does. <laughs> he did, he did not rule out, though, in 2022 to run the Indianapolis 500, which I want to see. Wouldn't that be something if the greatest – Arguably the greatest NASCAR driver ever won the Indy 500. That would be certainly interesting. It would definitely be something but, in it. Go ahead. He, he certainly has Daytona 500 wins, doesn't he? Yes, he has two. So, you know, saying you've won the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. Oh, I could imagine there are a few, if any, people that can say that. He's also won it at, at Indianapolis in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. So he certainly been there, done that. Yep. 
he's won basically everything. The man is one of the best drivers ever, and I'm I, I'm a lot of people hate him because of his success, but I'm genuinely going to miss seeing him in that 48 machine next season. I'll still root for the car because well, I don't have anyone else to go to, but I'm gonna watch the IndyCar like next year just to watch Jimmy. That's my entire reason for watching IndyCar. I don't have anything else. I don't have any dog in the fight. I just want to watch IndyCar because I want to see him race. I want to hear him talk about it again. I want to see him behind the wheel of, of, a, of a racing car. And But I, the most important thing is, for me, that he's at peace and he's happy with his decision. Oh, exactly. And he's, he's earned the right to get out on his own terms. He made this decision about this time last year. Uh, maybe a little bit later in the month, but it was still like in November when he announced it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it didn't have a lot of fans at most tracks to uh, to give him the send-off he deserved. But I think he knows that uh, he, 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 he made a very interesting comment to me. And not to me personally, but he, he, it was a very interesting comment that I thought. He said that the stoppage in the sport during the pandemic it made him more secure in his decision to step away from the sport. The time he spent with his family really matters to him, and he didn't just want to go back out there and get in the car again. He wanted to, but it wasn't the most important thing to him. Yeah. And he said, I, I, I appreciate that I have with my family and running a road course schedule. Any car allows you to do that. It, it's, I love when I hear an athlete say, my family matters to me. I don't care what mm-hmm. sport you're in. I love that. Absolutely. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to just for various reasons. <laughs> but that's our show. Hopefully, 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 we'll be back next week following two wins. Actually, I hope for three because I want Jimmy to win. Uh, <laughs> three, hopefully two, maybe three wins uh, next week. <sighs> we'll and see how this knows, goes. Maybe some fantasy wins. I made a big mistake in my fantasy league in our fantasy league last night. I sat Aaron Rodgers. Oh boy! And the Packers beat up on the on the uh, on the absolutely beat up 49ers. He had like thirty some points, Jeez. and I had uh, Valtez Scantling too. He had two touchdowns. If I had Aaron Rodgers starting, I could have probably won this week already. Dang. But I thought Lamar Jackson would do better against the Colts than the than Rodgers would against the Niners. Oh well, I'm still protected <laughs> to win. Though. I'm still protected to win, though, so it's not all that bad. You put a beating on me last week. You put an absolute beating on me. Yeah, I had Wilson and Metcalf put up like what almost sixty points between the two, and I'm like, jeez, like I I, I stopped looking after a while. Not that many. <laughs> I stopped looking after a while. I'm like, this game is over. I'm out. And I I I blew away the, my opponent in my alt league too. I don't know what happened, but. It's unfortunate, I guess. So somewhere along the line, your injury luck got transferred to me. And I'd like to give it back to you. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm top like number. I'm third in the league right now. Third in the bloody league. And I think I'm third from bottom. For the Premier League, I'd get relegated, but thankfully, <laughs> it's not the Premier League. <laughs> Oh, well, that's our show. Hoping for fantasy wins, hoping for race wins, hoping for football game wins across the season, across the board. That's our show. For Luke, for 
Darren, I'm Lucas. This has been scientific coaching number whatever. I think it's 26 or 27. Whichever one it is, it's the one. It's that one. <laughs> Darren, take us home. Stay sane, everybody. <laughs>